Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, go to verse 5, reading from the New International Version. Are you ready? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul, only servant, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each his task? I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Would you say that? God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10. By the grace of God given me, I have laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. For if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Lord, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, we do have some notes. Again, if you don't have those, would you go ahead and uh, make the anointed ushers aware of that as we get into this text. We give you notes so that you can remember so that you go and preach it to somebody else. Amen. And uh, if you're here in the 9 o'clock service and you're able to stay to the, the 11 o'clock or you just feel like, well, wait, what pastor just said I need to do. There's the Discover track that started. You might be able to get up in there early. I think it started just a few minutes ago. Uh, but, but feel led to do that. 945, be a part of that Discover track because it will really help you get involved in the life of the church. And then you'll find purpose. Finding purpose and meaning in your life brings satisfaction beyond anything you can imagine. Everyone has a purpose. Come on, say that. Everyone has a purpose. All right. Let's review the series. We're in a series called The End is the Beginning. And it has been, the series is based on a dream that I had. I've shared the dreams of others. A dream has really affected me. And uh, you want to be careful about basing a series or preaching from dreams you don't want to do that the wrong way. The wrong way would be like I had a dream, I had a vision, I got some golden glasses, and uh, and uh, a spirit came, an angel came to me and gave me some golden tablets, and you make your own religion out of it. That'd be a bad idea. Come on, somebody say a bad idea. You know, you, you don't get away from. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. All right. So you, you, the the word of God is the basis for our faith. So we will always preach and teach to you God's word. So the dream, all dreams that come from the Lord, have to line up with the Word. That's how you measure them. That's how you evaluate them. If it contradicts God's Word, well, that's not from God, and maybe you misunderstood it, or maybe it's from the enemy. There's pizza dreams. There's God dreams. There's dreams from your soul. Come on. Dr. Morocco had a dream years ago. Standing before the throne, it was with a dreamer vision. 
He doesn't recall because it was so real. He's not sure if he was sleeping or awake. And you've heard it here before. Standing before the throne, the judgment seat of Christ, and the Lord says to him, what happened? He says, I didn't have the people. I didn't, you know, why didn't you do what, you, what I called you to do? I didn't have the people. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the gifting. I didn't have it. And the Lord says to him, didn't you know I'd have helped you if you only tried? So if you look at our church, you want to understand what we do. We try. That's all we do. We try hard to obey God, and we leave the results with him. Duty is ours. Results belong to God, said John Adams, former president of the United States. Duty is ours. Results belong to, belong to God. Mike Bickle, the founder of IHOP, was in his 20s. He'd been pastoring for six years, has a dream. In the dream, the Lord says to him at the judgment seat of Christ, your life was wasted. You wasted your life. And in his mind, he argued with the Lord because he was fasting, he was praying, he was doing all the things he knew to do. He said, well, I'm not wasting my life. In his mind, I'm not going to waste all my life. I'm serving God with all my heart. And the Lord said to him, you cannot manipulate. You cannot manipulate the Son of Man. You cannot manipulate God. So what God says is true. He's like, well, I guess I am wasting my life. And he comes out of that dream slash vision, weeping. His whole shirt is wet. And, and he says, God, give me another chance. In the dream, in the vision, which it was a dream that ended up in a vision, God, give me another chance. I want another chance. I don't want to waste my life. My dream. This is a review of our series, and we'll get into this text in just a moment. My dream. I'm standing on the earth, everybody in the earth is there. It's the final moment. And like, I mean, the last 90 seconds of existence, we're all going to, it's over. It's, it's over. I don't know if it's a rapture or it's just, I mean, I don't know what it is. But I know for certain that everyone there with me, it's over for us. I know that. And so as that's happening, I instantly realize, oh, God, oh, God, am I, I check my conscience. You know, a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian has a hyperactive conscience. And you want to never sear that. You never, you know, as I'm, I'm praying, last night the Lord convicted me. Uh, as I was, I was, pray, I pray, especially Saturday nights, I pray, I dream, I preach in my sleep. I don't have a real restful sleep as you would think, oh, I just knocked out. No, I'm, I sleep very light and I kind of go in and out of prayer and, and God shows me stuff. And so the last night the Lord showed me something I needed to repent of. And so this morning when I got to studying and getting back to the message I was working on, I was reminded of that again. And so I called the person. You know what it was? I was listening to, it came into a group of people, and there's this great worship song that in Jesus' name we're going to learn to do. Freedom Looks Good on You is what it's called. And it is, a, it is my favorite worship song currently from Maverick City. Freedom Looks Good on You. Amazing. So I'm, I'm with a group of musicians and worshipers. I'm like, dude, listen to this. And he puts it on his phone, and he plays it off a speaker, and we're listening. And uh, some side conversation happens. And so the guy whose phone it was on walks away, and he starts turning it down. And he sits down at the table, and he puts his phone down. Well, he turned it, so turn, turn it down so much, I can't hear the organ. I can't hear the bass. I, and, and there's another guy that's there with me listening. And, and, and like, we can't hear it. I'm like, dude. Turn, turn that up. But, but he's like, oh, yeah, hmm, talk. He's not listening, but he's got the controls. So I just felt led of the Lord to steal his phone. I just went over, I took his phone, and I brought it back to us worshipers over there. 
and I put it down, and the other guy that knew how to work an Android, I guess that's fake, special skills that I don't have, he tried to figure it out, and eventually he turned it up. And we're listening to it, and the guy, God bless him, realizes he doesn't have his phone, and he gets up and comes over and takes his phone back with a smile and sits down. I get convicted last night, and I repented this morning that it was a little forward of me to take, you know, I did it nicely. I said, here, let me borrow that a second. <laughs> you turned it low. And I repented, and he laughed at me when I repented this morning. But you know what? I was convicted. He said, no, I'm not offended. I said, no, you're not, but I am. I'm offended. I'm offended at the fact that I did that. It was, it was a little over the top. I checked myself in this dream, and I realized, oh, is there anything, anything I need to do, anything I need to fix, God? And the Lord said, I dream within a dream, and uh, that's for me. And then the end is over. A bright light comes from the east, and everyone's gone, and I'm in heaven. This is my dream. Dr. Mor I told you Dr. Morocco's dream. I shared you a dream from Mike Bickle. This is the dream that I had that this series is based on. And in my dream, I'm standing there, and an angel comes and pushes this ball of fire like a pearl of oil. I don't know how to describe it. I can't talk too much about that because I won't be able to preach. It changes me. And I look, next thing I do is I look and I see all these people and I see these assignments being given. And the main assignment I saw for someone was a continent of Africa and I saw these listed nations. Now, whether you realize it or not, everything I just shared with you, except for some of the specifics, you're not going to find the golden oil, golden pearl of oil in, in Scripture, although there are pearls of great price. But divine assignments in the millennial reign, you will receive a divine assignment, and that divine assignment is based upon your faithfulness of what you do now. And I could prove that, and I have proven it, and we've done this series on the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about that two messages ago. Last Sunday, I preached on the signs of the coming of the Lord, the signs of the return of Christ. And I had, I had so many, uh, I'll call them old-timers, say, I haven't heard a message on the return of Jesus in a long time. You know why? It's not preached, not popular. It's not a popular thing. Come on, someone say, he's coming back. And so this text I've called, God is the Rewarder. I should say that the title of the series is given because when I, I woke up, it was about a three-day three day period where I couldn't stop thinking about, and, and then still it affects me, that dream. Three days after I had the dream, the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, the end is the beginning. Come on, say that. The end is the beginning. This is not it. This is not it. The, the, at the end of this, you graduate, and if you're born again and you're saved, you enter into what's what's called the, the, the afterlife or eternity, and there's a millennial reign, a thousand-year rule and reign where you actually have a job to do, maybe even over some of the nations in Africa. And so we've proven this scripturally. We will continue to do the same thing. I want to look this morning at God as a rewarder. This is mind-blowing to me. It really is. Now, in the 1950s, about 40 years ago, there was a thing called, some of you enjoy studying psychology, um, Colossians 2 and 8, let no one spoil you through the traditions of men, the rudiments of the world, through philosophy. And psychology can also spoil you. 
But when you take psychology and you match it with the, the, uh, the true authority over all of that is God's Word. So when you look at psychology and you look at God's Word and you can see where some of that matches, just don't take psychology over God's Word. Always take God's Word over psychology. Can you say amen? So there, for those of you that are scholars, you right, might remember uh, Piaget in the 1930s was a psychologist who started what's called the moral development movement. I want you to say that. Moral development movement. You're like, Pastor, you lost me already. Okay, but I, I didn't lose a whole other group of people. So just hang on. I, I, try to, I try to go from the deep end of the pool to the shallow end. The moral development movement started by Piaget in the 1930s, and then I think it's uh, uh, Kohlenberg uh, in the 1950s. What they did was they studied why do people make the decisions that they make? What, what is it that causes people to choose what's right and to choose what's wrong? Something we've learned in our house and the raising of our children and the renewing of our minds is you've got to develop a moral warehouse, right? So God's word, God's word is clear about, about why, what's right and what's wrong, but what they did was they did these, these uh, questions that they had, and, and he, here's one of them just to, just to help you. This is one of uh, Kohlberg's tests, 1958. This is a famous one. It's this man called Heinz who lives somewhere in Europe. Listen, Heinz's wife was dying of a particular type of cancer, doctor's said a new drug would save her. The drug had been discovered by a local chemist, and Heinz desperately tried to buy some. The chemist was charging 10 times the money it cost to get the drug, and this made it difficult for Heinz to get that medication. Heinz could only raise 50% of the money from his family, his friends. He explained to the chemist that his wife was dying, and that if he, he asked if he could have the drug cheaper. The, the, the chemist said no. And so then what Heinz did was a result of what he perceived to be right. So th they're asked this, should Heinz steal the drug? Okay. Would it change anything if Heinz didn't love his wife? What if a person was dying was a stranger? It wasn't his wife. It's somebody he didn't know. Should the police arrest the chemist for murder if the woman dies? And so they would give, the, here's what they did. They, they gave these, these questions to a group of kids in Chicago. Now, if you did that today in Chicago, they'd be like, let her die. Shoot her. I mean, Chicago's lost its mind. Liberal city needs a whole lot of help. But then they, they these I think it was uh, 10 to 10 years old to, I want to say 16. And so they gave these tests. And there was other ones. And they answered them honestly as they could. 20 years later, they gave the same test. And I think a period of time after that, they gave the same test. And they found that people's changed their mind as they moved along and they grew. The point was to discover why people do things. What's fascinating to me is that God motivates us. He motivates us a lot of ways in Scripture. Some, some of you were motivated because you didn't want to go to hell. That's not what motivated me. It's simply because I didn't really know. Now I know. It's, but back then, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Jesus in the gospel talked a lot about rewards. I'm right in your notes now. Let me read some of these. Matthew 5 and 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. 
Rejoice and be glad because great is your, I'm sorry, what? Great is your reward in heaven. Thank you, Minister David. Great is your reward in heaven. So one of the ways that he motivates us is by rewarding us. Uh, my brother Chris, where are you? Chris and my other brother John, we, we swam competitively, uh, as I recall, and I might not have this 100% right, but AAU, we were competitive swimmers when we were kids. And we would go to practice for, dude, I don't know, three hours. It was three-hour practices. And we would come home, and like even though we had goggles, it was like your eyes were burning out of your head from the chlorine. And, 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 and God given us a special gift, really, to swim. And we went to compete for the Junior Olympics. We were so into this thing. I mean, the, go to the Junior Olympics. We were so into it that my parents, my mother and father, bought a, a, a warmer, a food warmer, so that when practice went long, and they weren't even in. This is like 1975, 76. Food warmers. They installed a food warmer so that after we came home, the food would still be warm after mom and dad had had dinner because we might be home, we might be at practice really late. For what? What would you do that for? for a stupid little blue ribbon that you might win if you work your brains out. And then, of course, it was bragging rights that you won. And I remember competing in the Junior Olympics, and I won freestyle, but I got disqualified. It was a moment of great pain. I still remember it without the pain. Breaststroke. And I beat all those people, all those eight-year-olds. I wiped them out. <laughs> it's funny how we remember things. It's like you remember it like you're... Like you're 22. You were eight. Oh, yeah, but I won that thing, man. That was one stroke. You're eight years old. But anyway, amen, that matters. Come on, somebody. I remember being disqualified because I touched. I remember I hit my right hand and my left hand, and I got disqualified for the breaststroke. I would have won if I didn't get disqualified, but I, I won the other thing and got a little ribbon. I have in my, uh, on, my, on my shelf at my house in the master bedroom, I have a trophy I got in 1985. And we won the tri-state championship as lacrosse players, the varsity team of Trinity Pauling. I know you never heard of any of it. And, man, when we got that trophy, I was like, yeah, it was on. Let's go. I look at that thing now, the lacrosse sticks bent. It's like the guy's sort of got scoliosis or something. It, it bent because it's cheap plastic. We do all kinds of stuff to get the award, to get the prize, to get, come on. I, I, I'm, I, I'm harvesting my honey soon. And if I can do it and it works out well and the timing of everything and I can get the bubbles out of it, and if those of you that are beekeepers might know what that means, Keith, then I'm going to submit it to the state fair. If I can get it together, I'm going to submit it to the, why? So I can get the blue ribbon, man. How come? Because then I could say, I won. <laughs> we are motivated by rewards. Now listen to these scriptures. Listen, this is fascinating to me. Because you think, well, well, I don't need any reward. Uh-huh. Then why would God actually make it important for you to get one? And then he gives you the power to do it, which is amazing to me. All right, Matthew 5.11, right? Rejoice. Because... Because great is your reward in heaven, verse 12, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And I've got lots of stories about how God used that scripture in my life. If you, use, if you look at Matthew 6 and 4, he talks about three disciplines, prayer, giving, and fasting. And he says, if you do these unto the Lord, you will be rewarded. But if you do them unto man, 
then you don't get nothing. That, that is your reward. Somebody pats you on the back. No thanks. I've had enough pat on the backs. I want the one from the Lord. In Matthew 10 and 40, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Verse 40 of chapter 10, the book of Matthew. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's... Uh-huh. And then he goes on to talk about a righteous person. He sees a righteous man's reward. And then he says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you, you, you receive a cup of cold water reward. It doesn't say that, but I thought I'd throw it in because it kind of sounded funny. You get rewarded. In Matthew 16, 27, the Son of Man is going to come with his Father's glory and with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they have done. Salvation is by faith. Rewards come by what you do, honey. Rewards come by your works. And a lot of people think they're just going to step into all the blessings when you're not doing anything with what God gave you now. And I'm going to tell you, that is not a biblical understanding. There is erroneous thinking about the judgment seat and about the assignment and the millennial rent. You're not going to have a diaper, some cute little wings, and be playing at heart. That's not what happens. You'll be evaluated. Judgment seat is really an evaluation. So salvation is by faith, but rewards come from works by what you do. Luke 6 and 35, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High. The fact is, is that God's rewards are an integral part of understanding the kingdom, an integral part of understanding grace. And I've found that most people have zero clue about it, and it's not talked about at all. Look at the text. Context is the Corinthian church is full of pride, which has caused division in the church. Oh, I'm a disciple of Paul. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm a disciple of Apollos. They, they, they're, all, they're all full of themselves. Paul corrects him in verse 5. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants. I want you to say that. Only servants. You know, I had an interesting thing. I'm studying this, and I, I was asked to do a, a wedding. And I'm, I do weddings and funerals, and, and we do those as often as we can, as our schedule allows. And we have a, a, a staff of pastors that will also help and Generally speaking, we don't do weddings for those who are not formal members. And there's a reason for that. What is it? Go to the formal membership class and you'll find out. Amen? All right. So, folks were in a bind because the person who was supposed to do the wedding couldn't do the wedding. And so, the Lord spoke to me to do it and I'm, I'm doing it. And they're, they're part of our church. They come as frequently as they can. And as I'm standing there with this young man, he says, um, you know, what do you, what do you charge? Now, I wasn't insulted, but, but truly, you should be insulted if you're a pastor and you, and, and you answer that question with, well, it depends on how, you know, how long a wedding do you want? And um, uh, here, let me give you my charge card. You should stink and retire. Retire, you should quit and go sell cars or do anything else to make money because what we do is not, we're not here to make money. We're here to serve. Come on, somebody say, I'm here to serve. And so, you know, it was fresh in my heart. And I said, no, no, I'm here to serve, man. I'd like to see you in church more often. And I'm like, I'm here to, I'm here to serve you. 
He's like, all right. And then I begin to witness to him and tell him, hey, come on. The only way to make a marriage work is have Jesus in the center. Otherwise, you're going to have a nightmare. You serve God with all your heart, and she serves God with all your heart, you'll have a great marriage. You don't, it's going to really be lame and painful. There's some free wedding wisdom, uh, marriage wisdom for you. Paul says they're all servants. Look at, look at verse 5. The Lord, they're all servants, only servants. What's the Apollos? What's Paul? We're servants. Come on, someone say, I'm a servant. That's what, let me say, full-time ministry. You're a full-time servant. And we're all supposed to be, whether you're full-time in the marketplace, a real estate person, a, a salesperson, a contractor, you're, you're ordained in what you're doing. Do it unto the Lord. Colossians, all right. So then the fascinating thing is it says, as the Lord has assigned each his task. The Lord assigns their tasks. He assigns his servants their tasks. Verse 6. That's amazing. Because you know why? God gets all the credit for assigning you to it. You say, are you telling me that God's got an assignment for you? Oh, yes. In this age? Yes, in this one and in the one to come. He assigns their tasks. Verse 6. And they're simply servants. And look at D. They'll be rewarded by God for what they do. Not by other people. Don't get caught into the trap of comparing. I know people in the past, I really can't recall any now, and I'm not trying to, so, but, I, but I have seen it, where, you ever heard that expression, keeping up with the Joneses? Keeping up with the Joneses is a, a phrase, it's an idiom, and it's used all over the place, and it, it came from a comic strip. And it's used for uh, referring to the comparison of one's neighbor as a benchmark for your social class or accumulation of material goods. And so there was people that would try to keep up with the Joneses. So if the Joneses got, they got a new car or a new truck or a new boat, then you would, in, you would push to do everything you can to get the new car, the new truck. And I know people spiritually like that. I have known in the past where there's this incredible anointing to preach or to communicate or to, 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 to pray or to give, and, and people look at them like, oh, oh, I didn't have that gift. I want that gift. They, 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 they compare themselves and they look down on the gifts that God's given them. Now, here's what I've found. You could have no gifts. You could be dumb as a box of rocks. Show up in this place. Show up in God's kingdom. Give your heart to Christ. Be faithful with whatever gifts that he gave you. You might have spiritual lint in your pocket. He will bless you and provide for you and give you greater gifts than you've ever known. I re- Chanel, you came. You were tone deaf and couldn't sing. And somehow, you're on the worship team, and she can sing now. You know, way back all those years ago, it was over 10 years ago, you would sing, I'd be like, Oh, stop. You'd be singing in the hallway. I'm like, that's not how it goes. <laughs> Look at you now. She couldn't sing her way out of a bucket. Now, now she can sing. Now she's a part of the worship team. You know, God can do anything. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven all across this place. And say, oh, he can do anything. The Pisonis are amazing. We love you. Servants, for sure. Some people are 12-cylinder people. Like Wally, he's a 12-cylinder person. What do you mean? I mean, it's like a renaissance man. I'm not going to brag too much on him because he doesn't want me to brag on him. He's just a humble man. He's like, tw- he's like 12 cylinders. 
Dr. Morocco's like a 12-cylinder guy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like so many gifts, so many talents. You're thinking, man, when they gave out gifts and talents, I think it was at the end of the line. I've had people say to me, man, you're so gifted. I'm like, what? Isn't it good that we don't, you know, don't view ourselves like, oh, I've got gifts. Pride goeth before a fall. You compare yourself with people. I know folks that maybe have a, a, a five-cylinder, a three-cylinder. They've got the Hyundai gifting. They got three cylinders, but baby, they they put nitrous on those things. They twin turbo their three. They twin turbo, and before you know it, they sprout a couple more cylinders. And I've known people that have twelve cylinders and can't be faithful to anything. They like potentially you look at them like whoa, and they never do anything with it. It's not about other people; it's about what God gave you. We're co-laborers. Back in your notes, we're co-laborers with God. And we belong to him, verse 9. We are co-workers or co-laborers. Co-workers is the NIV. Co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. What's more amazing is that the apostle Paul saw what he did as a church planter as God's grace. Look at verse 10. By the grace God has given me, not, not by my fine education studying under Gamil, not, not by all of the things that he overcame, not by his incredible anointing, not to minister the wisdom of man, but the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. He didn't talk about any of that. He said it's God's grace. You see, because if Jesus, we were all hellbound. And so if Jesus didn't breathe on us, you're going to die. He said, no, I've worked hard. I've worked hard. I cut my, I hewed my land out of all this land. Um, you know how many rocks I moved? Uh, uh, yeah. Who gave you air, Bubba? Who caused your heart to continue to beat in your chest, Mr. Pioneer Man? I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying if it wasn't for God, you ain't going to have no dream center. Yeah, he put the dream in your heart. Yeah, he, he, but he gave you air. He gave, he gave you the desire to do it. It all comes from him. It's crazy. We still have to choose it. I got like two amens right there. It's called the glory of man. You have to choose. We're all hell bound. God gives us the same amount of time in every day. Everyone here has 24 hours today. Maybe, maybe the clock will run out and you'll, you'll die today. We don't know when that is. No man knows the time. You're given but one life to live, and after that, the judgment. Now, God's the one that gets all the glory, even when you've done something great. It's, he's the one that sets you up. And the basis of the Apostle Paul's labor is what Jesus Christ did for him and for us all through his death and resurrection. Can you say yes? All work will be judged by Christ. Look at verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation of gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day. Everybody say the day. Notice it's capitalized. The day will bring it to light. That's the day of the Lord, the judgment day. Here's what he's saying. When you come before God in the end, you're going to be evaluated. And, and I've talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Did a whole message on it. Go listen. Why would I ever listen to that? That's too much. I had somebody say to me, Dr. Morocco preached this message on hell. I, I, I need to get his notes and just re-preach it. Why would you ever do that? 
Because it's, if you don't have a revelation of what you've been saved from, you won't really understand where you are. And if you don't really understand what's ahead and the rewards and what's at stake every day of every minute, you're going to be evaluated before God. That makes this, you're going to be rewarded because you came to church. Dr. Morocco says this, we're preparing our congregations, Pastor Daniel, for judgment day. So that you look good. Come on, someone raise a right hand to God and say, I'm going to look good on judgment day, so help me God. Say it. I'm going to look good on judgment day, so help me God. Now, if you don't look good on judgment day, don't tell him you came to my church. Amen. Some of you are living your life without any mindfulness or um, uh, awareness, I should say, of, of the fact of eternity. There's eternity. You're going to go there. You spend eternity in hell. You spend eternity with the Lord, and then the millennial reign is up to you. You choose. God is not going to do it for you. And there's a lot of arguments about predestination and the free will of man and on and on and on. You choose God. Choose God. Say, so, well, if he knows everybody that's going to be there at the end, then what's the difference? Well, you don't know. He's already there. He's outside of time. You're in time. You and I are in time. He's an eternity. There's no time in eternity. So, of course, it's, he's already there. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's already there. He's already seen it, so that's how he knows. But you choose. You choose to serve God. Don't waste your life. Your life was wasted, he says to my fickle. I don't want to hear that. That's kind of intense, Pastor. Listen, pansified Christianity, is that a word? Sissified's better. Sissified Christianity needs to leave. You will never walk in fulfillment and purpose and destiny and satisfaction and fulfill the purpose. You don't have a heartbeat for no reason. God's made you. He knit you together when you're in your mother's womb. Use, be eternity-minded. Don't waste your life. Can you say amen? That's, that's really what he's saying. All right, God's speaking to us very simply. Keys, please. Everything is God's grace. Everything's God's grace. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's God's grace. It's God's unmerited favor. It's God's empowerment. It's, it's, it's God. He gets all the credit. Amen. And yet, in that, he still rewards you. Does anybody else find that amazing? That's amazing to me that God will reward me. I remember many years ago mowing a lawn for Pastor Brian Reynolds. It was actually his daughter's job, and she would receive $10 to mow the lawn. But the lawn was large, and, and you know, it had gotten a little high. She had skipped a week or whatever. And I said, you know what? I'm going to mow the lawn for you. I was off on vacation. We were staying at their house. I said, I'm going to mow the lawn, and I'm going to teach you a lesson about grace. I felt like the Lord gave me this illustration to teach you. I'll have to ask her if she remembers it, but I mowed the lawn with a push mower. It took a while. Anybody know what I'm doing? You know, you got to like turn it over or pull the grass out. I know none of you know that because you're all perfect with your lawns. Eventually, I finished. When I finished, I went up to her and I handed her, not 10, I gave her $20. And she was, I don't know, she was 12, 11. Gave her $20 and say, that's God's grace. This is a picture of God's grace. I mowed the lawn for you, and I paid you. I paid you. She's like, oh, thank you. He gives us what we don't deserve. We all deserve death, but he, he mowed the lawn for me. Come on, somebody. 
He took death for me. He took sickness for me. He took disease from me. Can I get an amen? Amen. He healed me. He set me free. He filled me with His glory, with His glory, with His glory. He did. Yeah. And then He rewards me. What kind of God is that? What kind of God? to take away my pain and reward me because I said yes? And even that was from him? Even the grace to say yes was from him? And then he gives me a trophy. He gives me a reward. Hmm. Come on, Brother Toby. Give me an amen. Amen. Our only task, look at your notes. Come on, he's giving you health. He's giving you time. You live in America, he's giving you wealth. Most likely, $17.95. You're wealthy. Financially speaking, according to the rest of the world's standards. The only task is, our only task is, what will we do with what has been given? What do you do with your time? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your treasure? It's the choices we make. What we do with our time, our treasure, our talent, we'll be judged for that. He's the one that gave it to you. Use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for the kingdom. You say, well, i got to work. Yeah, you work hard unto the Lord. It's all for Him. Yes. Does this make sense? Matthew 25, this parable is disturbing and encouraging all at the same time. Starts in verse 14. It's the three servants with talents. Talents is a, a measure of money. The master comes back and begins to evaluate what they did with their talents. A, ta a talent is money, but it's wonderful how it applies to us as giftings and, and talents because it's money, it's, it's time, it's, every, it's everything that God has given you. And what you do with it, he will come back and evaluate so the master in this parable comes back and God spoke parables to his disciples to hide truth from casual observers. So I'm trying to make it plain for you right now. And so the, he, he returns and so there's one guy that has 10 talents and he invested him and became, you know, on and on and on and one with five. He invested and did great. And the third guy, the third guy had one talent and he buried it in the ground. And, and he gets rebuked. In fact, the master says in verse 26, you wicked, lazy servant. Well, then you should put the money on deposit with the bankers. You should have done something. And verse 28 says, so the bag, the talents were taken from him and he gave it to the one who had 10 bags. See, that's what happens to the, that's what happened to Chanel. She's like, well, I might not be able to sing and I can't hear, I'm tone deaf. I'm going to pray. Would you lay hands on me? Would you pray? Had your husband pray for you? You want to do a solo right now? No? Maybe later. If you'll just be faithful and you use what you have, God will give you more. And I've seen it over and over and over. And then he'll reward you. God will judge us by what he's given us what we did it. I love number four, what I do matters. Come on, say that. What I do matters. It's almost as if he yearns for us to do something for him so we can give you something. That's the picture to me. 
What kind of God is that? That's amazing. He's amazing. Come on, lift your hands and say he's amazed. God looks for opportunities to reward you. Look and see. God is a rewarder, and this affects how we live. I'm going to whip through these. My time is almost done. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the reward. He's the what? He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Ephesians 6. Gosh, that happened to me this week. I, 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 I'm trying to land the plane. So this week, I was supposed to go see my dad. Uh, but because of some restrictions that I wasn't willing to comply with, I stayed home. I canceled my trip. I canceled my flight. I wept. I wanted to see my dad, but I just couldn't do what they were asking me to do in, in the community there. And so, and I just have a problem with somebody trying to make me do something because I'm an American. So, amen. Trying to move on. So I stayed home, and instead, I listened to almost the entirety of the New Testament, praying in tongues for five and six hours a day, worshiping while working on my yard. My body still hurts. I'm still sore. But I felt like Adam. Oh, I'm not even kidding. There was moments where I was like, oh, God. Sitting on a John Deere. Where are Come on, sitting on a John Deere, working that thing. Praying in tongues, trying to figure out how to level my driveway. We're not done yet, but, but I'm just saying. Something was turning in me. And now, as I look back on my week, Honestly, I can say the majority of the hours in the day were filled with meditating on God. What'd that do for you? I'm not sure, but I like it. I like it a whole lot. I want to do some more of that. You might have sensed that there's something just a little bit different in the church this morning. Where'd that come from? You prayed, you seeking God. I'm praying, I'm seeking we're preaching the word. Listen, we don't ever have to plateau. We don't ever have to level off. There are no toxic levels in the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's no, there's no level in God that's too much. Of course, I guess only dead men can see his face. The problem is that most people don't want to die to their self. They want to be the guy with the one talent, and they're like, man, it's mine. I'm just going to hide that thing because I know he's just, oh, he's so shrewd. They're so selfish that they won't use the gifts and the talents they have to, to do anything for God. It's all about them. It's all about increasing their wealth. All about increasing their... I'm preaching better than your amen. Oh, come on. Someone say he's a rewarder. Hebrews 10, 35. Look at verse 34. You suffered long with those in prison. Oh, no, I got to take it from verse 32. Remember in those days, says the writer of the book of Hebrews, and we say that because we don't know who exactly wrote it. Remember in those earlier days after you suffered, pardon me, remember those earlier days after you received the light when you endured in great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
You suffered along with those in prison. Listen carefully. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew, I want you to say that, because you knew that you yourselves had a better lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Here's what most people, most people don't know that. Most people don't have a revelation of the end. The end is really the beginning. And whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're facing right now, and I know it can be hard. I know it can be difficult. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit this morning to open your eyes to the truth of God's Word and the fact that there is an age that you're to be living for that's not now, it will empower you. It will release courage. It will release strength. It will release faith. I'm living for another age. Anybody else? I ain't living for this world. And we're not long for it. The time is shorter than when we first believed. He's coming. Oh, he's coming. Oh, he's coming. Oh, he's coming again. Soon and very soon we are going to see the King. We are soon and very soon. We are. Wow. I got to finish. You guys need to show up to worship, practice, and pray that God helps you with your tone deafness. Look at number four. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you're offended, get over it. Go to Lowe's, get a ladder, get over it. All right. <laughs> Here's some scriptures. Colossians 3, Galatians 6. Go look them up. 2 Corinthians 9. Let me, let me say this. If you'll just be faithful with what God gave you and you serve, you use it all to the glory of God, there's no telling what he will do. He will reward you. And I close with this story. And here's the story. A pastor, part of Jim LaFoon's ministry, uh, Every Nation, I think it's called, was building a building, and he felt led. And don't freak out. I'm not receiving an offering right now. Unless, of course, I do. Later on, I get encouraged by the Spirit to do it. I will. Amen. So this pastor was encouraged to sow his entire savings that he had for his kid's college fund. It was a lot of money. $10,000, a lot of money for him. He sold it all into the building project. His wife and him, and they came in agreement, and they sold. They gave the college fund. The kids were little, and they figured, well, we're going to give it, and we're just going to trust God. A few months later, he's invited to preach for some foundation. He doesn't know where the invitation came from, has no idea. He was there, and he was talking to a man who was the president of another foundation, whose name you would know. And as they're talking, you know, he didn't know who he was. So they said, oh, hi, my name's Jim. Hi, my name's whatever. Steve, as they talked about the things of the kingdom. He goes back home. A couple weeks later, he gets a phone call at the church office, and it's the foundation, and it's lady asks to talk to him, says, oh, hi, is this Pastor so-and-so? He says, yes. He says, yes, uh, we would like to have your address, uh, your social security number, and your, your bank account number. He said, I'm not giving that out. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't understand. When you were talking to so-and-so, the CEO and president of our organization, the Lord spoke to him to pay for all of your children's college. How many children do you have? Three. Gave a bank account, 
and, and dumped the entire amount. I'm talking way, way beyond, way beyond what he sowed. You know why? God is the, yeah, he is. Can you say amen? So you serve God with everything that you got. You use your gifts. You use your talents. You use, if you got three cylinders, burn those babies up. If you got 12, some of you are looking at, some of you are like 12-cylinder people, and you're looking at a three-cylinder person going, man, I, can't they get to work? Oh, yeah? You're in big trouble because you're only firing on five cylinders, and you have 12. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.